Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do this without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Thank you to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Educational AD. Our guest today is a good friend, Joey Struy. He's a certified master athletic administrator. He's the assistant principal in charge of activities and athletics at Lincoln High School in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He's also very much involved at the state and national level. Joey, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jake. It's a great honor to be here. Thanks for having me. I've seen some of your podcasts and I hope I can keep up. <laughs> uh, we only have the best. That's why you are here today, my friend. Well, as you know, the life of an athletic director these days is very busy, so we're going to jump right into it. We always like to let our listeners get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you went to school and college, and uh, maybe how your love of sports led to that first teaching and coaching job. Uh, well, yeah, I, I grew up in a small town in South Dakota. I've lived in South Dakota my entire life. Uh, when I say small town, I'm talking there were 18 students in my graduating class. So that's the size of school I grew up in. And, and in a school that size, everybody plays three sports. And not because you necessarily love three sports, but because in order to have a football and a basketball and a track team, you, you do it. And the head coach, if you want to play basketball, you're going to play football and run track too. So... <laughs> So um, I, I loved playing basketball. I, I played a little bit in college at Dakota State University uh, when I went there, graduated from there, took my first head coaching job right out of high school or right out of college. And uh, my love of athletics led me into administration. And, and it's just kind of grown from there. I've gotten involved at our state level. And, and administration, I know it removes you from the kids, but, but it makes you a lot more impactful, I, I think, as programs go. Well, tell us, um, you know, how you made that transition. Uh, I'm sure some things fell into place from, uh, you know, teaching and coaching to, you know, that first job as an AD. You know, the, the transition was uh, was fairly, uh, what's the word, abrupt. Uh, an opportunity came open. You know, not, not that that was bad, but an opportunity came open in retirement uh, in Esteline when I was a, a young coach there. The athletic director resigned after many years. And I saw that as an opportunity to get into athletic administration. At that time, our school board didn't want a head coach to be an athletic director as well. So I stepped down from coaching. Uh, several years later, I stepped back into coaching uh, as an assistant coach and, uh, and found that to be even more enjoyable, I think, than as a head coach because you didn't have those head coach responsibilities. You, you got to work closely with the kids. 
and focus on, um, on game items rather than, than the big picture. So that helped me free up to become an administrator as well. Well, uh, you and I have uh, worked together most recently with the certification committee uh, at the national level, but I know you're also very active uh, with your state association. Uh, I think it's important for our younger athletic administrators to kind of hear the process. They might wonder, well, geez, how can I get that uh, position or how can I get involved? So kind of tell how you got involved with your state association. You know, uh, Jim Dorman, who was our, still is our, <coughs> excuse me, executive director, uh, approached me, well, I suppose it was maybe 15, 20 years ago now and, and served as a mentor for me, asked if I wanted to be our state's technology coordinator. We didn't have a website. We didn't have a, a lot of uh, web presence. <clears throat> so he approached me because I was serving as our school district's technology coordinator as well as athletic director and teacher. Uh, so I accepted that position, and that's what got me started. But his mentorship, uh, taking me under his wing, getting me involved, and I think that's what we have to do as, as leaders in our position is reach out to those people because they don't know what opportunities are available. It's hard to research those and feel like you're not trying to intrude on some old-fashioned good old boy system, as it were. So we have to be inclusive uh, in reaching out to those people, to the young ones. You, know, you touched on a very important point, uh, you know, mentoring. Um, what uh, um, or who have been some of the mentors uh, for you, even going back to, you know, when you were uh, a student athlete that encouraged you that you can still hear their voices today uh, as you deal with your kids and your coaches? Yeah, my, my head basketball coach when I was in high school, Russ Schwartz, uh, he was the one who drove me to want to be a coach in the first place. And had I not wanted to do that, I wouldn't have ended up in an athletic administration. Uh, he's a big one. Um, as a young coach, a young athletic director, um, I had several small town coaches who were big time mentors and people, uh, not only within the state, but within the, the country. Uh, I mentioned Jim Dorman in our area, Don Ray, Marv McCune, guys like that, that just were, they were the, the old wise men, if you will, of the world who were just very approachable and would talk your ear off when you'd ask them a question and, and they didn't have any qualms about sharing their wisdom, their knowledge, and, and their expertise with you, even though they didn't think they were, they were really even doing that. That's what they were doing. You know, they had no intention of, I'm going to help this guy out, but that's exactly what they did because they were so humble. They just didn't realize they were doing it. Yeah, I think we see that a lot uh, as coaches. Uh, I think we tend to uh, keep our secrets. You know, we don't want to share, but it's just the opposite as athletic directors. You know, there's definitely a willingness to share and, and help, uh, truly help mentor that next generation. Um, looking at, you know, your present position at Lincoln, um, what were some things maybe when you first uh, took the job as AD that you you looked at the school, you looked at the programs, and you said, well, we're doing this pretty good, but I think we can do better. Uh, or maybe what's something that you brought brand new uh, to Lincoln that you're particularly proud of? That's a good question. Uh, the thing that I think I'm most proud of is my involvement with the student athletes. Uh, last year, we started a, a captain's council for the first time, and I'd never run one, uh, but I thought it was time that student athletes just needed a voice. They needed someone outside of their, their coaching chain uh, 
to talk to, that they felt like they could be comfortable coming into my office or, or they needed that leadership training so that they could help their teammates become better followers, better leaders when they left the program. I did that last year and I think it's been a wonderful addition to our school. Uh, the kids appreciate it, and most of all, it gives me back that connection with the students that you lose when you become an administrator. You don't have that direct contact with the kids that you do when you're a coach and or a teacher, and, and I really missed that uh, with the kids. You, you, know, you know who they are, they know who you are, but you really don't know each other, and, and, and I think this has given me a, a good chance to reconnect with them and, and them to feel like they've got a real say that their voices are being heard. We had, we had some concerns a, a few years ago with some things and those issues were addressed because we talked with the kids. And that's what led me to, to, to the realization, you know, we need this not to react to problems, but to, to come together to work towards a more meaningful program for them so that things like, like that don't happen. Well, that's great stuff. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about COVID. Uh, you know, certainly it's impacted uh, uh, everyone across the country. And uh, we've also seen a variety of uh, responses uh, from different states uh, as well as within states. Uh, my own state of Florida, you know, we are uh, uh, currently on hold, but uh, uh, different regions have different ideas about what we should do. Uh, I'm curious, what did you do? back in the spring when COVID first hit, what were some of the things you did with your coaches and your student athletes to stay connected? And then uh, understanding that things could change uh, tomorrow, uh, what's going on right now in uh, your state of South Dakota? Well, back in April or late March, early April, when there was that big disconnect, everybody was trying to figure out what they're going to do with education. How are we going to deliver classes? I could have took a step back a little bit because I knew that there was going to be that push and those things were at the forefront. How am I even going to access my algebra class or my biology class? So I took a step back. And after a couple of weeks, then I went ahead and started to reach out to the coaches again and my student uh, captain's council. And I scheduled a, a Zoom meeting with John Gordon. It was one of the things that we did. Uh, he came in and he spent 45 minutes or an hour with us talking about uh, just resiliency and grit. And, you know, the things that John always talks about when, when he's uh, doing his thing. And it was just such a good, good thing for the kids to talk to. They, they asked a lot of questions. Um, and John was, was very good about sharing. So that was one of the things that we did. Um, another thing I did with my coaches was I took the time to, to go through the 3D coaching model with them. Uh, and do some virtual meetings with them. We went through the, uh, the, the program. Uh, I purchased a program for them so that they have the opportunity to become 3D coach certified uh, at, at their pace. But then every week we'd have a, a Zoom meeting to discuss modules within that. So we stayed connected that way. Uh, as we got into the, to the spring, the, the early parts of the summer, we put together a plan to come back into our gyms with our kids after school was released, we put together the, the plans that are similar, I'm sure, to most people around the country. You limit your group sizes, you're screening kids, you're working in pods and, and limiting exposure. And, and the summer has gone very well. In fact, our off-season workouts ended yesterday, and we start soccer practice and tennis practice and cheer and dance on Monday this coming week. So, so we've got 
we've got a plan in place. We're starting all of our activities on time in South Dakota. Uh, fortunately here, uh, the, there hasn't been the, the uptick that, that you've seen in Florida or, or some other states in the, in the country. And, but we're dealing with some positive cases within our programs. And fortunately, our pod system, I think, has worked very well, exactly the way we hoped it would. We've shut down a few pods uh, once or twice, but we haven't had to shut down programs and we haven't had to close our buildings. So, so the processes we put in place, I think, were very good. So now it's going to be a question of, you know, we can, if we can, can sustain that um, within our programs. If we do that now, if, we, if a school has a positive case, do we have to do what Major League Baseball is doing? You know, is somebody not going to come and play us this week, which is, I'm sure is going to happen at some point, or we're not going to want to go play them because they've had one or two positive cases. And we'll just react like that. Uh, hopefully we can get through the season. I'm sure we'll miss some games, maybe a week or two, because we have to quarantine, but hopefully we can isolate it to that. That's our hope. That's our goal. And that's our plan so that we can get through the, the season and at least say that we've done everything we can to ensure that those kids get to play. That's our goal. What, uh, what's been the response of the, the kids and uh, the coaches and, and the parents too, to um, the summer workouts and now the plans to re, uh, reopen? You know, the, the coaches have been great. They're doing everything we've asked them to do. They have the same uh, philosophy. We just want to play. And whatever we have to do to make that happen, we're going to do. We're going to limit our off-season gatherings, uh, even in-season. You, you know, part of the big part of a football culture or any any sport culture, uh, even fine arts, uh, marching band, for ex example, a big part of their culture is their gatherings, their tailgates, their their potluck scrimmages in the middle of the preseason, their retreats those things we're just we're going to eliminate those this year to reduce the mass gatherings uh, and, and and go from there and the parents have been great every time we've contacted someone yes i understand just checking to make sure that we don't do anything that that uh, we're not supposed to do uh, team meals following a game you know how do we even handle those you know we've, we've got things in place you know, prepackaged food we're not sharing pizza boxes we're not little things like that that who would have ever thought we would have had to think about and it just seems sometimes it seems like it's an endless rabbit hole of, well what happens if how do we handle this and you can just get bogged down in those details and and at the end of the day it's just we're going to do everything we can we're going to make mistakes some kids are going to you know during practice are going to stand too close together for a period of time because coaches over here coaching we can't expect them to stop coaching. Those things are going to happen. And we're just going to have to remind them, hey, it's kind of, you know, everybody arm's length away. Do the best you can. We get it. Uh, water bottle sharing. How do you prevent that, you know, with limited resources? We don't have the staffs that a college or NFL team does. Everybody can run over and have the water bottle squirted in their mouth every time. So, I mean, there are just countless details that, you know, you just have to think about and, and do the best you can with, and, and everybody's been very understanding. We just want to play. We'll do what we have to do this year. We just want to play. Well, it sounds like you've got a good plan um, ready to go. Um, let's uh, shift gears a little bit. Uh, this spring, in addition to COVID, we also saw an increased uh, awareness regarding social uh, issues and social awareness, uh, certainly the events in the uh, 
you know, Minnesota kind of kicked that off. Um, from your perspective, what are some things that we can do as athletic directors to do a better job uh, of being aware, you know, with our uh, communities, with our kids and our coaches? You know, that's a great question. About oh, maybe a month ago or so, you know, I'm part of the uh, that NIAAAU cohort that you were in last year, Jake. I'm doing that this year, and, and I emailed uh, Daryl Nance and, and Mike Elson, and I asked them that very question because we're all dealing with COVID. You can't, we can't get back to play if we don't deal with COVID. But on that back burner, there's those issues that the kids are still dealing with that are going to manifest themselves come game time. Uh, you know, are, are students going to take a knee? Are, and if they do, are kids in the stands going to start getting unruly because they don't agree with that? So there are things that, that we need to work through and we can't simply be reactive to. We want to try to be proactive with. And I don't have the answers of how we do that, but it starts with dialogue. We have to talk to kids. And that's one of the things I'm planning for my captain's council is how do we reach out uh, to the rest of our student body to make sure that they're included, their voices are heard, everyone's uh, opinions matter. You know, what do we do? How do we do it? And, 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 uh, and make sure that everybody feels included. Those are great questions. I don't know that I have the answers to exactly what we do, but it's got to start with dialogue. We have to talk about it. We have to have those difficult conversations. No, I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, let's lighten things up a little bit. What are some of your favorite parts of the job? What gets you excited uh, to get up each morning and come to work? You know, it's it's dealing with the kids. The kids, when the kids are around, I, you, just, yes. you can't beat that feeling. If you find something you, you love to do, you'll, you'll never go to work a day in your life. Um, that's always been my philosophy. So it's, it's Friday nights. It's you're at the ball game. You're, you're in the, at the football game you're at the basketball game, whatever it is, the marching band contest and the kids are, are performing and, and you look around and, and you just say, this is my job. This is, this is my office. I mean, you just can't beat that feeling. It just, it just rejuvenated. Um, it's always, it's about the kids. That's great. We got the best jobs in the world. Um, we mentioned earlier that uh, you and I uh, have got a chance to work together on certification, and uh, you were actually um, the first state, uh, the first state coordinator to utilize one of our uh, new certification tools. Go ahead and uh, share with our listeners a little bit about that. Well, I think that feather goes in your cap, Jake, for developing the VBOX system. Uh, you know, you're the one who taught me how to use it, so let's not, let's not pretend like I invented the wheel here. Um, you, you came up with this uh, VVOX program that, uh, that we're using to review for our CAA exam. And um, in June, we used it in South Dakota with a group of eight or 10 athletic directors who were taking their CAA exam. And uh, it, it, the interactive portion simulates the test very well. And it, and it helps them practice for the test. It gives them a little more uh, relief from their anxiety of what's going to look like, how am I going to do this, what happens if I select the wrong answer, how can I go back, or, or whatever that case may be. Plus, it's a good review for the questions which simulate the test very well. So uh, you're to be commended for that, but it worked very well uh, via Zoom with our state, yes. And we appreciate you, your efforts with that. Oh, well, uh, thank you. It was, um, um, it, it was fun to do, but it, 
uh, we did a lot of practice tests with groups, but you were the first one to actually do it with a live group and, and the results uh, speak for themselves. You know, everybody uh, passed the exam. Well, Joey, uh, we've kind of come to the end of our uh, interview, but we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. You know, you're certainly an experienced AD, an award-winning AD, and now your task is to send uh, a brand new athletic director out on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. Uh, what's going to go into Joey Strui's AD toolbox? Surround yourself with smarter people than you are. And in my case, that's not hard to do. <laughs> Don't be afraid to put people in a position who know more than you do, because that's how we grow. That's how we learn. Um, don't take yourself too seriously. Take the job seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. You've got to be able to separate yourself from the position and, and have a support system of your own. Be a support system for your coaches, but you've got to have your own support system. You can't take the job home with you 24-7. Uh, this period in time has been a very good reminder of that because it seems like every day, every night, we're dealing with something different because things are changing so rapidly. So we've got to be able to, to pull back just a little bit and take care of yourselves because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. Wow, great uh... Great words of wisdom. Thank you for sharing. Well, Joey, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Jake. I appreciate you having me here. Take well, care, my friend. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we'll, we'll be in touch, I'm sure, uh, another committee meeting. Yeah, I'm sure it's coming soon. Well, to our listeners, thanks for uh, tuning in. Come back again next time for another edition of the Educational AD. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Educational AD Podcast. I want to remind you that the Zoom recording of this interview is also available on YouTube on the Educational AD channel. Thanks again for listening.